911, what's your emergency? Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Dispatch, a 911 podcast. I'm your host Rachel, aka Burn That Bridge, and joining me in this episode is Bye Buddy, or Rebecca. Rebecca posts gifts on her Tumblr, where she's Bye Buddy. She also writes fanfiction, which is under her Buckley's Best AO3 account. And I'm absolutely thrilled to have her joining us to talk about both her gift making and her fic writing and also her thoughts on the show. As before, this episode is a long one, so I've included timestamps in the show notes, so you can pick specific sections if you'd like to skip ahead, or if you'd like to avoid spoilers for some of Rebecca's fic, because we will be going into detail about some of her fanfiction. As always, I will include links to everything that we talk about in the show notes, including links to the recommendations that Rebecca gives at the end of the episode. Some content warnings for today's episode include references to COVID and the pandemic, discussion of canon-typical injury, mental health issues including breakdowns and therapy, and also discussion of cheating in relationships. If you'd like specific timestamps for when any of these issues are talked about, please just let me know. I hope you really enjoy the episode, and here is the call. Okay, so welcome to Dispatch. Today, I've got Bye Buddy, or Rebecca, with me. I want to say welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. No, it's absolutely amazing to have you. People might know you as Bye Buddy on Tumblr, or as Buckley's Best on AO3. So you are a fic writer and a gift maker. So obviously your gifts are on your Tumblr. You started your Buckley's Best AO3 account in 2015, from what I've checked. Yeah, that's <laughs> and correct. And there you've got uh, 23 works for 911, and they're very buddy-focused, as is the case with a lot of the works in this fandom. Yes, absolutely. So it's fantastic to have you on today and we're going to talk about both your gift making and your fic writing but before we get into that I wanted to have a chat with you about how you got in to 911 how did you find the show in the first place yeah so I had a bit of a weird experience with 911 so I'd been saying it's such a random thing but I'd been seeing sky tv vans around and they all had 911 branding on them. And I've been a massive Grey's Anatomy fan for years. So anything like first responder, hospital based or first responder adjacent, I've been very, very into. So I've, I was seeing all these vans around and I was like, oh, maybe that's something for us to watch. But at the time I was working full time, I was pulling 10 hour shifts. I just never had any time. So what I ended up doing was it was June last year and I got one of the 
I got one of the dreaded NHS notifications saying I had to isolate for 10 days. Okay, yeah. Um, And I had no equipment at home to work from home. So long story short, I couldn't work from home. So I just had 10 days of nothing, which I was a little bit kind of weirded out by. And a couple of weeks before, I'd actually seen, um, without realising it, a buddy edit on YouTube. Okay. So I think it was, um, I want to say it was the one for Between, if you know it. It's like one of the bigger ones. I probably have seen it, I'll, I'll, yeah, and I'll look it up yeah. and link it down below so that folks can check it. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And it was one of those situations where I didn't realise there weren't actually a couple. <laughs> I know, this is the thing with them. Like, I feel like I, I only knew that because I'd seen people like, on tumblr like literally saying just that like i can't believe that they aren't like canon so well yeah that's the thing and then so i had these 10 days off and i kind of just thought to myself look i'm probably never gonna get this time again let's start this show that i've been wanting to start and at first i didn't even realize they were the same show because obviously season one there's no eddie um Mm. but there's abby in there and I was like, this can't be the same show, like, maybe I've got them mixed up or something. And then I got on to season two, and the infamous Firehouse introduction scene of Eddie Diaz, and I was like, I know, I know what show I'm watching now, and <laughs> the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> yes, that is such a, that scene where Eddie gets introduced is, I, I had seen clips of it on YouTube before I saw the show. And so I hadn't appreciated that the music was actually in the episode and that it wasn't something that somebody would added on YouTube. (laughs) I was like, I can't believe this is something I'm seeing with my own eyes and hearing with my own ears on like a TV show. It just seems so surreal looking back at it that Mm -hmm. that's a deliberate choice that was made. Yes. Somebody chose to film and like to 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 you know block that out exactly how they do it in the scene to film it how it was shown in slow motion and then to add that song choice over the top. Whoever the sequence of people who made those decisions, I am forever grateful for them because it just brings me no amount of joy whenever I see gifts of that or remember that that happened or hear that song in another context. Yeah, it just takes you straight back to the first moment you saw that scene, doesn't it? Yes, exactly. So that's really interesting. So so you when you were watching season 1 then, you were kind of not 100% sure that you were in the right show from what you'd originally been seeing. Yeah, so it was cuz obviously like I said, I f- saw this one buddy edit and then I just kind of fell down a rabbit hole on YouTube. Yes. And like like I said, I didn't really know what show I was watching. And then I started watching season one, and I think because obviously the character of Buck is so different in season one compared to season two, especially at the start of season one, like first three, four episodes, I was like, I was watching season one, and I just remember thinking, am I watching the same show? Like, surely not. It must just be something different that Oliver Stark was in. He was the only person that I kind of realised out of the show 
all recognised out the show in all honesty because I'd seen him on things like um, Casualty in the UK uh-huh. um, and stuff like that. So he was the only person that I recognised. Kenny Choi as well, but more so Oliver Stork. But then I'd seen him, obviously, in all these edits and I was kind of like, surely this can't be the same people but yeah so I didn't even realize in season one in all honesty that I was watching the same show at first (laughs) that's amazing it is it is a kind of experience for me because I'd read so much fan fiction beforehand then I knew kind of what was happening but season one is is very different because because Eddie isn't in it then it's not really focused on in any of the fan fictions so you kind of Mm. miss it and I did find season one a really a really different thing to experience so if you started watching the show then, I take it you watched at least part of the show before you started on to like reading fan fiction. Yeah, so I, in those 10 days that I was off, I managed to get through, I think, the first two seasons. So it was before I had Disney Plus, so I was watching it on Amazon Prime. And Amazon Prime only has two seasons of it. I kind of knew that there was more, obviously, because a lot of the edits I'd watched were obviously focused on the shooting. Surprise, surprise. So I knew there was more. I just didn't think I could get my hands on it. Um, But through work, so basically, I worked for a big uh, telecommunications company in the UK. And as part of that, I got free Now TV. So... Mm -hmm. It had um, all the episodes of season four on it, but I'd watched two seasons at least before I got started on fan fiction on AO3. Yeah, that's cool. And when did you when did you get uh, into the show on like Tumblr? Like when did you sort of enter the fandom on Tumblr? So I didn't get onto Tumblr until October. So October twenty twenty one. I have not been on Tumblr for a long time. I was on it for a long time and then I haven't been on it for a long time. So I was a little bit hesitant in all honesty to get back onto Tumblr. But I thought at first, I went on to have a look at GIFs and stuff at first because I knew there'd be GIFs because there's GIFs of everything. Um, Yeah. But actually getting back onto Tumblr... I was looking and a lot of the kind of fan fiction I was reading on AO3 obviously had a Tumblr attached, especially Mm -hmm. like the bigger fix. So I was like, maybe I'll just try it. I'll see how I go with it. And if I'm not 100% happy, I'll just take a step back kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like getting onto Tumblr as an adult, is a very different experience to getting onto Tumblr when you were younger. So October, I just decided, you know what, I'll give it a go for like two weeks. I had an old account already set up from when I was into K-pop when I was younger. (laughs) So I basically cleared out my blog, reset it up, and I was like, I'll see how it goes. If it's great, I'll stick around. If not, then I'll just kind of no harm, no foul, I'll just take a step back. Yeah, nothing to lose. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That's so cool. So I'm similar. I I was on Tumblr, not not loads. I wasn't super, super into Tumblr when I was younger, but I was there like for fandom stuff, and but only very casually. And then I I think I must have left even before the like big 
like super hulock time i don't really remember that at all so i reckon i was off before that even started and i only came back to tumblr i mentioned this in the first episode of the podcast when um when Destiel went canon <laughs> in <laughs> November 2020, then I found out probably from Instagram or something else that that had happened. But then I knew, well, where do you go if you want news on this type of event? You have to go back to Tumblr. So I had I had been on a little bit for that then, and it is it's it is a it's so strange. Like I feel like it it has been a bit of a resurgence for me but I've really enjoyed and I'm glad I got back on Tumblr because it is the place to go for like a proper fandom experience, I feel like, and especially for gifts and things like that. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I feel like as much flack and stick as Tumblr might get in other spaces, if you want a true cohesive experience of fandom to fully immerse yourself in, Tumblr is the place to be. Yes, exactly. And and it's good because... It's a website where you can like really actually curate your experience to be what you want it by who you're following because it's got no algorithm and its ad system is so terrible and <laughs> everybody is just seeing the same Pikachu man at the moment or whatever it is that's oh, going God, on just yeah. now. <laughs> so no, it's a it's a great community that I've I've really appreciated. So it's good to hear that I'm not the only person who's returning to tumblr rather than has been there all the time yeah no definitely so that's cool so yeah so you started watching the show to begin with before you uh, got into the fan fiction and go back on onto tumblr what made you so you say you've been a fan of like Grey's anatomy and shows like that for a while was it that was it that format that then that 911 has that format and the the content about the emergency responders was that what made you want to continue watching the show even even in season one when you're like well this doesn't seem like the uh this doesn't seem like the show that you originally thought it was based on the edits um I take it you enjoyed the show in its own rights then yeah so even even when I thought it was a different show I still got enjoyment out of it because I find with 911 which is something a little bit different from Grey's Anatomy it's very focused on the characters and the relationship between the characters. Whereas shows like Grey's Anatomy are great in their own right because they focus really heavily on maybe like romantic connections, but also kind of their sort of quote unquote emergencies like the surgeries and all that sort of thing. I liked that 911 seemed to have a bit of a healthier balance of character focused um but also you still got kind of the emergencies um but it was more focused on kind of the interpersonal relationships and even in season one I think even without Eddie there you still got the feeling that it was a family and that everyone genuinely cared about each other and that all the characters had each other's best interests at heart and the one episode I keep coming back to I mean, in all honesty, I haven't rewatched season one in quite a long time just because I find it weird watching without Eddie there. Um, in all honesty, yes. it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't, it still doesn't quite feel like the same show. But one episode I come back to continuously out of season one is the fourth episode. Um, everything that goes on with Bobby, 
like the relationship between Bobby, Hen and Buck in that episode are just are genuinely it's one of my favourite episodes of TV of all time. Yes. Because it's so heartfelt and so genuine and that's what Keith kept us because in all honesty after episode three the whole thing with everything with like Abby and everything I was a little bit on the fence do I keep watching kind of thing just because the whole thing with Abby was once I realized she was the mum in the first season of American Horror Story I couldn't (laughs) like I couldn't watch the show the same way you couldn't unsee it. No, I couldn't unsee it because I was. I, I remember I started watching and I was like, "Is that the same person?" I was like, "I know her from somewhere," and then I looked her up and I was like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> no, so it was the like the interpersonal relationships that kept us at the finish because, like I said, you don't get that with a lot of shows, and I think nine one one have really stumbled onto something amazing in the connections that they yes. found between the members of the firehouse. Yeah, they, I think they really have. And I think for me, it's been unusual because I um, used to watch a lot of um, sort of like crime TV shows and I used to like them because there wasn't a focus on the interpersonal relationships and because I uh, have like a low tolerance for drama and stress because it makes me stressed. So I find it really hard when the char- I get really attached to characters and then they start going through it and then I'm like, no, it's too much stress for me. So I used to quite enjoy shows that didn't have a strong focus on them because I didn't need to worry that like um, somebody that was going to die. Or... die. <laughs> yeah. Yes, like I think just you know it was a lot less dramatic than like for example the UK soaps like EastEnders and things <laughs> like that are, where some something is going horrendously wrong in every episode at every single moment. And so I I kind of when I watched Nine One One I wasn't sure if I would definitely enjoy it. Because I, I like the fan fiction, but I was like, well, maybe I won't enjoy the show. But it is, it's so unique and so special. And the the interpersonal relationships and the family, the found family type feel to it is definitely the big thing for me that kept me in the show. Um, and it's funny that you mention episode four. I, I was like trying to guess if that's what you were going to say before you said it. I was like, it's better as episode four. Because I think that is a really standout episode for me as well. Like, the key like the the, what happens uh with them but then as you say also what happens afterwards with Bobby uh and how they rally around and everything so yeah I think I think obviously there's a lot of the firehouse wouldn't be the firehouse without Bobby first of all and I feel like up until that point he was just kind of this figurehead like he was just kind of big bad boss man almost kind of thing but I feel like in episode four, obviously, we really got to see a different side of Bobby. And I feel like it's a side that we as an audience needed to see to be able to understand why people stick with Bobby for so long and why the firehouse is the firehouse that it is. Because, like I said, it wouldn't be the same firehouse without Bobby 100%. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, he's like, he sort of makes it, it would definitely be different. And I think that's a nice thing that we get to see. I like that 911 does the the character like begins episodes and it gave us the opportunity to not only learn more about those characters individually in those episodes, but also to see what the firehouse was like. You know, like what was it like for Chim before Hen joined? What was it like for Hen and Chim before Bobby was captain? 
and so it's I always find that really interesting because it just feels like such a different it was obviously such a different dynamic for them in in those those scenarios before they had one another before they had Bobby and then even before Buck and Eddie joined um so it's interesting to see the differences yeah 100% and I like how those episodes highlight the way that it just takes the right people to come together to make something magical almost yeah definitely and so obviously buddy is like your ship within the show but um what other relationship dynamics would you say are your like favorite ones that are in the show other than the dynamic between buck and eddie good question um i mean the relationship between maddie and buck like their sibling relationship is one that's very very special to me like you've got these two people who've gone through some horrendous absolutely horrific kind of events in the life like obviously you've got Maddie's relationship with Doug you've got Buck never feeling like he was good enough and even before he knew about Daniel feeling like he was just a replacement for something that wasn't quite there And you've got these two people who are so kind of utterly, they've been through some, like I said, some of the worst things that a person can go through and they'll still go to the ends of the earth for each other, even if they've got fundamental disagreements about things, even if they, you know, they don't see eye to eye, even if they don't understand why one person's doing something, they will just follow each other to the ends of the earth. And I think that is something very very special and it's I like that 911 take time to highlight the platonic dynamics as well as the romantic dynamics because again sometimes in other shows that kind of gets sidelined so like the relationship between obviously Hen and Chim especially in season five um especially in episode 17 of season five like just the way without question they will just follow each other into battle i know bless them but yeah so i would say the buckley siblings are a big one for me obviously romantic wise i can't not mention maddie and chimney like <laughs> yes. they are they frustrate me sometimes with you know, the way that they just won't see the wood for the trees. But (laughs) I love them so dearly. And I think it's important that in season five, especially, they gave themselves time and space to heal independently. Because obviously, in any relationship, you need to heal independently before you come back together. And I really like that they took the time to do that. But that 911 also made a point of highlighting that there is still very much love between them yes, as well. Yes. Um, and I just found that really, really, really special. Um, so those guys, and then obviously I've got to give a mention to our vowel vow renewal queens, Ken yes. and Karen. <laughs> I was like trying to get the words out and they just wouldn't come out because I got too excited. But I think especially especially this season because of how heavy it's been getting to see some lighter moments with Hen and Karen has been very, very 
special to me as well um especially in the run-up to pride month you know two weeks before pride month getting to see a vow renewal between a lesbian couple that just felt very very special to me so yeah i'd say those are my favorite dynamics from the show yeah it's such a it's a hard it's a really hard choice to make because there are as you say so many good and 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 911 does it so well and so sensitively with the different dynamics i like what you said about with with maddie and chimney because i feel like sometimes i'm like sometimes they're just too sensible for me i'm like there as you yeah. say they're they're giving themselves time and space to heal um separately like which is kind of what they they did originally after things went so wrong with Doug as well they didn't you know jump into the relationship completely they had to have some more time and sometimes I want to be like just just get back together but then I'm like no they're probably being sensible actually about this yeah but you're right sometimes they're a bit too sensible and watching the slow burn (laughs) is killing us a little bit yes for some more uh, tricky questions, then I I'm gonna have to ask you who your favorite character is. <laughs> oh God, okay. You know, I heard I listened to the first podcast and I knew this would come up, and I've been sat yeah. thinking and thinking and thinking, and it's such a hard choice because obviously every character within the show is incredible in their own right. Um, I would say. If you were asking us today, because um, it does change on a day-by-day basis, if you were asking us today, I would say book, purely because I see a lot of myself in book in terms of the way he approaches things, and in terms of the way he approaches romantic relationships in particular, um, <laughs> in terms of like he, the way he deals with things I just see a lot of myself in book and I think when you have that deeper connection to a character then obviously they're they're gonna take a little bit more precedence in your mind but honestly it changes on a day-to-day basis it's such a good show with so many good characters that it's just impossible to pick most days no, well, I appreciate you for having a go with it there. As I say, and as I said in that episode, I feel bad because Buck is always, always my favorite character. I think the only point at which Buck wasn't my favorite character was when I first watched the very first episode of season one. Before, uh, like when when he's just when you're fir- when he's first around and you're like, why are you being like this? <laughs> sort of before you realize that it's all a bit of a bluster and that he doesn't really like who he is and that actually and before he has the baby before he's carrying the baby around and then obviously like when he cares for the baby so much I was like oh but I'd read so much fan fiction by that point that I kind of knew that he was going to have the growth like the growth arc and so he wasn't going to be as I knew him in the first episode so it was very easy for me to just be like well it's the first first five minutes of the episode it'll be fine he'll be fine like you know yeah you just end up powering through I, I do get it about um episode one book though because I remember sitting and watching the first episode of season one and looking at this guy in his mid to late 20s peacocking around flirting with everything that breathes and I just remember thinking oh dear I just remember thinking <laughs> Oh, he's like every guy I've ever dated, ever. And then <laughs> I was like, like you though, um, obviously I'd watched a couple of edits on YouTube. So I kind of, once I made the connection, I was like, okay, 
like this is something's gonna happen to change him a little bit and then obviously he had the growth through season one so yeah I, I mean I get I get that obviously yeah season one books just oh he's a frustrating little guy but just gotta stick with him he's coming into himself <laughs> but no so thank you very much for that we'll come back to some more stuff on the show later but I wanted to now kind of move and to talk to you about the fan works that you do within the show. So the first thing I wanted to do was ask you about your gift making. So as I say, you obviously make and post gifts on your Tumblr. When did you get started with gift making? Was that something that you'd done before you came into 911? Um, or was that something that you picked up more recently? Uh, so I've never ever made gifts before um, watching 911. I got started, obviously, I saw all these amazing edits and stuff kind of coming across my feed. And I was very much the type of person who used to sit and look at them and go, oh, I wish I could do that. And then, so I think it was like me Christmas break. So it was a couple of weeks in December. I'd kind of finished all my work that was due after Christmas. And I was sat and again, looking at all these edits, especially after the winter finale, and they were all coming across my feed, and I was like, oh, I wish I could do that, and then I had a moment of, well, why can't I do it, kind of thing. Like, yes. I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna be able to do it if I don't just do it. So, yes. I ended up, I started off with picture edits, so just, like, still images and overlaying text on the top, and then, I started like poking around the internet a little bit. Um, like I said before when I was speaking to you, I'm a scientist at heart, so if there's a puzzle to be figured out, I'm going to do it kind of thing. So I went looking for um, tutorials and like there's a lot of very comprehensive guides on Tumblr that other amazing creators have made um, that give you a step-by-step instruction, especially for beginners, on how to even convert videos to frames that sort of thing and how the timeline works and all that sort of thing so I did a lot of reading started a word document on my computer made some notes um, and then I posted me first gifts I want to say it, it would have been late December early January I think yeah um, and then it's just been a learning curve ever since that's very similar for me because I did it exactly the same. I I was like I I've always like again I never made gifts before nine one one. I um I've always thought they looked amazing, and I, I can't believe actually that it took me so long to get into it. Um, because I used to be quite interested in photography when I was younger, and I used to have Lightroom and do like some like just very basic photo editing and things like that. So I can't believe I never tried gift making sooner, but it was the same thing at Christmas. I had Christmas break and I was like, you know what? I'm going to teach myself to make gifts. Same as you on Tumblr, looked at all the different um, tutorials that were on there. So yeah, I would say if anybody wants to get into it, like like you and like me, you were like, oh, it looks amazing and I wish I could do that. You can, you just have to... Uh, give it a go. Yeah, give it a go. Take up the, the generosity of the folks who've made tutorials for you to use. And also not worry if your process changes. Because like the very first gift set I made, I like, you know, from a technical point in terms of how I got the screenshots and how I processed uh, everything in Photoshop, it's very different to how I do it now. 
because I yeah. like found another tutorial and it was an easier it was something that worked better for me uh, and I'm always learning something new about especially about coloring because I'm not very good with the coloring and I Same. feel like I do it differently every single time so no I only learned how to use like the curve slayer about a week or so ago <laughs> so before that I was just messing about continuously with like brightness and contrast settings and like I didn't know how to do um selective coloring stuff like that especially in season one because obviously they've got that really ugly yellow kind of mm-hmm. filter over so yeah I mean compared to when I first started making gifts to now I've definitely got more streamlined in my process because I remember opening photoshop for the first time Obviously, I'd read all these tutorials, but I'd opened Photoshop for the first time. I'd put everything into Photoshop um, in terms of the video I wanted to use and everything. And I remember opening it for the first time and looking at all the different buttons and thinking, oh, Mm -hmm. my God, like, I've got no idea what most of these do. But I think what people who've never made gifts before, one piece of advice I'd give them is you don't need to know what everything does because you're not going to use everything. like. Some of the buttons on there I've never touched to this day. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. There is so much. It's such a it's such a sort of versatile program that you don't use to make gifts, you don't use all the features that you need that that are needed in there for other things. And yeah, you're right, there's there's so many buttons, so many menus in there that I've never I've never worked with before, sort of thing. No, definitely not. So yeah, so you said you started off before you actually got into gifts. You started off with, um, uh, as you say, like still images, like a picture edit. And I actually had one of the ones that you did here that I really love. So this is the one that you did that was like the normal people quote, where you have it being a uh, the quote that is that I'm not a religious person, but I do sometimes think that God made you for me, and I love that one. So was that one of the? That's one of the earlier ones that you did then before you were into the sort of the gift, the gifting. Yeah, so that would have been one of. I mean, I read normal people. I basically read normal people in December, and it took over my life. So, yeah, I think that must have been one of the earliest ones that I did. I think that was probably towards the end of me still image kind of. Yes. Fits though, and then I moved more on uh, gifts after that. I want to say. Yeah. Well, I still think that they're because there's there's loads of folks that do the still images, and I think they're so uh, effective as well because you capture that particular moment. And I really love that quote. I think it works really, really well for Buddy as well. So it's a lovely. That's a lovely one. Um, you just I think the way you've done that as well in terms of how you've placed the text over the still image is like an an art in and of itself because you've not just put the quote on there that you've kind of structured where you've laid the words for it so it's a really beautiful edit oh thanks yeah I think it's I think like like you've said I think still images are an art form in and of itself that maybe don't get recognized as much as gif makers Mm -hmm. do because I think with gifts obviously you've got most of the time you've got all this like fancy text and sometimes it moves and sometimes you know you've got different colors on there and it's all very loud and bold and beautiful and I love making gifts but even when you're making a picture there's like you've said there's so much 
thought goes into where do I place the text, what font am I going to use even, you know, which bits of the image do I still want on show? Because I think if I'm remembering the one that you're talking about correctly, I think the last image is of Buck when he's in the hospital with Eddie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So obviously you want to make sure that you capture the whole essence of what's going on in that moment. So I think still image edits, like I've said, are an art form in and of itself that quite honestly deserve a bit more recognition than the get. Yes. I think. And it's tricky because I find um, with GIF making, because I jump straight into GIF making, and sometimes I find that I'm like, oh no, I need this GIF to be longer because I need both this part of the clip, but also the end part because otherwise I'm missing the emotion I want to show or I'm missing the, the thing that's actually happening. So as you say, if you're picking a still image, you have to be so particular about what you're picking and how you're framing it, because you don't have the scope to show as much of the scene as you can in a GIF. And you don't have the you don't have the ability to rely on a fancy transition to get across like a jump or a, a, a glitch or something like that. And so you do have to put a lot of thought and a lot of care, I imagine, into exactly what image you're selecting for for that for whatever particular sort of frame or word you're pairing it with. Yeah, absolutely. So in all honesty, I used to spend more time on me still image edits than I probably do on me gift making. And it is because I used to spend most of the time looking for the exact frame that I kind of need. So I used to spend maybe just two, three hours just going through episode by episode looking for the exact because I know in my head the exact moment I'm looking for but you need to find the the image that obviously matches up with it so I used to spend hours and hours just meticulously going through trying to find the exact picture that I was after and sometimes I'd get halfway through an edit and I would realize this doesn't quite fit or it's not quite showing what I want it to show so then you'd have to restart the whole process again so I think in some ways that makes photo edits potentially a lot more complicated than I think a lot of people realize because I think yes I think to some people it might almost be like oh well you take a screenshot and you just slap some text on it whereas there's a lot more to it than that yeah and I think you're right I think it does deserve more recognition because it is I think I, I, see, I find that with gifts as well and I'll speak to you about your gifts here as well that quite often the gifts that get the most sort of notes on Tumblr if we're taking them as a measure of the popularity are the ones that are effectively video clips of the show because they're the ones that get made immediately ap- after the episode has come out and they are you know with the subtitles the the a capture they are essentially a way of capturing that that occurrence from the show and I'm not in no way saying that that's not uh that they're not worthy or anything like that I myself am that person who's on Tumblr the minute the episode is over to find those gift sets but I think the edit forms of gifts and then especially the edit forms of the still images are something that are uh, as we say an art form in their own right and also deserve a bit more love 
um, than what they get, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the same boat as you, obviously. I, especially towards the end of season five, when I got like me, I would say me gift making process down to a T, I would wait for like the promo clips to drop and then I'd be like, I only figured out how to download the clips from Tumblr in like the last two episodes. So I was straight on like my little website, downloading the clip, making like obviously like you said gifts of the episode itself and I've got great admiration for people who literally as soon as the episode ends have gifts up like one of my um good friends Chelsea so she goes by Gay Ravi on Tumblr yeah um mm-hmm. she is an absolutely incredible gift maker and she somehow manages to get the gifts out immediately after the episode and they all look incredible and I really wish I could be that person but for one when the episode finishes here it's like two in the morning (laughs) yeah exactly for two I just can't like I just can't do that it doesn't fit into my creative process in terms of that sort of thing I'm very much more the type of person to like spend time coming up with like song lyrics or like quotes from a book so I think you're right I think the people who churn out like gift sets after an episode are incredible and they're artists in their own right but I think sometimes the especially like I've said the still image edits they deserve a bit more love than they get essentially yeah but yeah, like like I've said, I've got nothing but admiration for the people who just managed to churn out like gift set after gift set after gift set after the episode. They're so fast, and as you say, they always look so good as well. So it's not a it's not a like speed over quality thing. It's like a speed and quality. Yeah, and like I said, I've got nothing but love for all of them because I'm literally on Tumblr immediately after the episode and no more than five minutes after the episode's done (laughs) I've got something to reblog and I'm like yes yeah I am convinced I have seen gift sets go up while the episode is still airing now bearing in mind I'm having to stream it (laughs) yeah so it's possible that it's not work that I am a bit behind with the delay but I'm convinced there was there was sometimes when as you say it like almost 2am in the morning I'm on Tumblr while I'm watching the episode on the other browser and I'm like I'm sure this is a gif of the thing I just saw a minute ago I'm sure this is happening right now (laughs) yes where did they get this episode from they've obviously had it in advance like Mm. I wanted to ask you so as you say like for your creative process like a lot of your gifts are as you say paired with like a song lyrics and you've got uh, text on the gifts that are a song lyric or a quote or something like that. So what part of the gift making process is it that you like best? Would you say it is the the coming up with which lyric or which quote you're going to use? Or is it the actual process of like picking the typography and placing that on there? Or for example, in you've you've got um one of your gifts that I really like is um your sort of uh stuck unstuck gift set for Buddy, which was the one that is a birthday gift for May Grant. And as I say, I'll link to these down below so that people can find them. And in that one, you've got very different typography on the different gifts, but you also have some text effects, like text fading in on the gifts. So what part of the process is it that you like doing the most? And I suppose the other side of that is, 
part of the process you find the most annoying? <laughs> so the part that I enjoy the most is probably, like you said, the initial coming up with an idea, you know, I'll listen to a song or I'll read a book and mm-hmm. the brain rot is real. It, my brain will instantly go, how can I make this about Buddy? Like, I, th- I think that's a common experience for most content creators within the fandom. But I enjoy that because what happens is, is I literally will listen to a song, like I said, or read something from a book and I'll already have like scenes playing in my head almost like specific scenes from the show so I'll have kind of different pieces of the puzzle that I end up kind of figuring out how to fit together the part that I find most annoying is coloring I hate doing okay, yeah. I hate doing coloring um I know it's a very necessary step but I think it's mainly because up until now I haven't had a very good understanding of how all the different types of color layers work Yes. Stuff like, like I said, selective selective colouring to like enhance different parts of a scene or stuff like, even stuff like curves just to enhance like the high and low points of scenes. Like I've not had a very good understanding of it up until now. And like I said, all I've been doing is like increasing brightness, increasing contrast or decreasing contrast if I'm feeling especially special that day. Yeah. But... No, so I think the bit that I find most annoying, in all honesty, is colouring. Um, I also didn't understand how like layer masks worked up until now, which I've got a little bit of a better understanding of. Still don't understand it a hundred percent, but I understand it enough to make gifts now. So yes, yeah, I'd say probably colouring is me most annoying kind of filter that I've got to deal with at the minute. Yeah, and I feel like colouring takes ages as well because you have to do like so many different layers of different types of effects to achieve the coloring that you want and then I spend ages clicking that little eye turning it on and off going is it better before is it better after is it better before is it better after have I just ruined it yeah <laughs> thank goodness you can just turn the layers on and off like... I know can you imagine if you couldn't and it was just permanent I think I'd stop yeah crying. everything is like a destructive permanent change oh gosh no But I think, yeah, I think that's the thing. I think gift making can be intimidating because you do kind of go into it feeling like, well, everything that you make to begin with looks so rubbish compared to these people who've been making gifts for a long time. And and then there are some people who are just like naturally amazing at it as well. And so I would say again to anybody who's looking to get into it, it doesn't matter if your first gift is like rubbish, you're going to improve. And I bet you're going to think it's way more rubbish than anybody else that's looking at it is going to like you post it online and I see your first gift you've ever made and I'm just going to be like look at Buck and Eddie in this scene (laughs) look at this amazing quote that they've picked to go with this like no I think I think that's the thing for a lot like I know that was a thing for me before I started before I uploaded my first gift not so much with like the still image edits but with my first gift I'd been looking at all of these amazing people who'd been probably making gifts for years like a good chunk of them and they had all these amazing text edit like amazing text effects and like they had fancy borders and they had gifts within gifts and I was looking at them going like "Uh uh-huh here's my one gif of Buck and Eddie in the same vicinity still a little bit blurry with some plain text laid over the top 
Like, <laughs> but even those gifts, like, you've done an amazing thing just by starting because a lot of people don't even make the leap to get into gift making. They ju- it's something that they just stare at for a long time and they think, oh, I wish I could do that. But a lot of them don't take the actual first step of getting into gift making. So what I would say personally to the people listening who are on the fence about it is just do it. Like you said, mm-hmm. you're probably going to think it's 10 times worse than anyone else does. Like I look at some people's first gifts and I don't even realise that it's the first time they've made gifts. And I'm just more focused on, oh, that's pretty, or, oh, that's a really good quote. Why didn't I think of that kind of thing? Exactly. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, like I said, I think it, I think Tumblr is such a broad community as well. If you post something, someone is going to like it. Like, you're all going to get feedback and you're all going to have the odd, per- like, I've had the odd person in my notes who's been like, oh, this looks weird. Like, and you'll, you'll get them but at the end of the day the positive massively outweighs the negative so oh absolutely especially i think in the 911 fandom because like I, I i know what you mean i've had the same like i've had an odd the odd and not even like a comment just like the odd person reblog it with some like very odd tags attached to it and i'm always like do you know that the person who made this can see what you've written in your tags yeah, I think that's the thing. I think I think people forget, don't they? I think they forget yeah. that we can actually see everything. Like the original post, I can see everything that goes everything. into the tags, yeah. But the vast amount of people who reblog stuff and add even just the fact that they've reblogged it, but also the best thing ever is when you get somebody that tags it with something like OP... Uh, like op your mind or op why did you make this or like something where they're like clearly like you've given them pain and you're like excellent i'm glad you are (laughs) as traumatized by this show as i am yeah you get like an op i want to crawl inside your brain or something and you're like i'm doing my job properly (laughs) i have a good score in gift making which is both something possible to achieve and normal to want to achieve yes It's a great, um, I think it's a great fandom as well to get started in gift making because there is such a big, like, there is there is so many people who are, you know, reblogging and interacting with the, with the 911 gifts. Especially, it's obviously a little bit quieter at the moment since we're in hiatus and uh, Tumblr's kind of gone into a slight sleep. I've been on Tumblr the whole time, but it's been yeah, quieter. So I've, <laughs> I've been sat there, like, refreshing, waiting for content. <laughs> Like yeah. <laughs> just any content coming on me, me feed and it was all right at like the start of hiatus like I found there was still like gift sets coming out obviously of season five and then there was like mm-hmm. fix coming out of season five and then I would say we hit like mid-June so about a month after the episode aired and things just went silent <laughs> and I was like I was like I just need something guys I just need something yeah, and I think we'll get it'll get back with everything that's going to be coming out with when they start filming for uh, season six. I think imminently, probably by the time this will be out, they will have already started filming. So then we'll start to get behind the scenes and things like that, and it'll be uh, excitement again all over again. So that will be good. Yeah, exactly. And I remember, obviously, as we're recording this, about a week ago, the episode title came out. Oh yes, <laughs> the, the first episode title for season. Six and I have never seen 
the dash explode <laughs> like it did in that moment. It's like everyone who went dormant over hiatus crawled out from whatever rock they were under and everyone just collectively lost their minds and it was the best thing I've ever seen. Over the most minute piece of information <laughs> in existence. Yeah, no pictures, no nothing. Literally four words sent all of us into an absolute tailspin. As like, can you tell we've been starved for content for weeks? And <laughs> so no, before we move on to talk about your fic writing, I kind of wanted to ask about something that's kind of related to both the gift making and the fic writing. Is that um, as you're saying, like your part of your creative process is very much about like lyrics and about quotes and things. So I have to ask about Taylor Swift because I feel like that's something that you use a lot both in your gift making and in your fic writing. So I assume that's because you have a genuine like big love for her uh, and her music. Yeah, absolutely. And so you find that a big source of inspiration. Yeah, so especially like I um I first got really 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 into Taylor Swift. I would say beginning of last year before I even started watching 911. And I listened to all of our albums in like two days, I want to say. Wow. Yeah, it was it was not a good time. I probably yeah, anyways. <laughs> but I listened to all of our albums in like two days. And then I um when I started watching 911, um I was still listening to a lot of Taylor Swift. Yes. But I was seeing all these edits and stuff on the feed and then especially when I got into gift making I was like how can I make this song about Buck and Eddie I was like how can I make this and especially after um Red Taylor's version came out I was like okay I was like I've got plenty of content now how can I make all of this about Buddy <laughs> um, it's quite easy to make everything about Buddy like it's very very easy to make literally everything about bodies so yeah. yeah no so I was literally sat and I was like hmm, how can I make this about buddy and I think in all honesty if if I took a look back half of the content I have produced when I'm on one at least must be tenuously related to Taylor Swift at <laughs> least so whether that be me fix me fic titles I know I've got about 10 fic titles that are Taylor Swift lyrics and then if I look at me gift sets and me even me picture edits because I remember right after Red Taylor's version came out, I did a book edit, um, and it had it was um to the ten minute version of All Too Well, because that that is book, um and yeah, so I mean Taylor Swift is a massive massive source of inspiration for me because I find that I have a connection to her songs, and when you've got a connection to something, it's much easier I find to make something out of that um especially when the lyrics are as emotive and you're watching a show as emotive as 911 yeah it is i i've been a fan of taylor Swift for uh, a long time like probably more of a casual fan than a lot of folks are but i've been listening to her since i was very young like a young teenager and i do i'm i am very much a person who like any song that i listen to i'm looking for a fandom connection be it 911 be it something else and uh yeah I'm the sort of person who has a Spotify playlist that's like got the ship name and then has a bunch of songs (laughs) that I associate with the ship in it and things like that um and I do find that Taylor Swift is very 
there's a lot of songs that, as you say, are if they're if they're not Buddy, then they're Buck or Eddie. Or there's been quite a few um, things on Tumblr I've seen about like you know Taylor Swift songs with Madney, and I think it works well for a lot. So she, Taylor Swift is really the here for us in the nine one one fandoms. So. Yeah, she, she's carrying the nine one one fandom on her back along with all of her stock. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> But yeah, so the reason I want to ask you about that first is because we're going to talk about your fic writing now. And the, the first fic I wanted to speak to you about was, um, I think this is a, is your most recent one. So this is Horrified Looks from Everyone in the Room. I'm Only Looking at You, which uh, obviously that's named after uh, a Taylor Swift song, uh, Speak Now. And that was written for the, uh, now I'm going to get this wrong, but this is the, this is the, the this is Buddy Taylor's version, isn't it? Uh, the sort yeah. of best that was going on. So that fic is a uh, sort of longish one shot. So you're talking like nearly 12,000 words for that. And as your summary is for that one, this is Eddie realizes that he's in love with Buck, Buck gets engaged, but not to him. So I really enjoyed that fic. Uh, and I got some questions that I was wanting to ask you about that, if that's all right. So I really love the premise for this story and I I really love that Taylor Swift song. But I often think when I'm listening to that song that it seems like such a far-fetched idea that somebody would get to the point where they're actually like they're actually marrying somebody else and all it takes is another person to be like don't marry them for them to stop. But when you take it and you put that in the context of Buck and Eddie and especially if you put it in the context of Buck and who he is, and how he is a self-described like clinger, and how he doesn't want to be left. I feel like it works so well for him. So, did you know, um, like, did you know that you wanted to use this song in that particular context where it would be Buck that would be getting married, um, or did you kind of come up with the idea and then have to figure out what way around you wanted to do it and things like that? Yeah. So. I always knew from kind of the original conception of this story that it was going to be Buck, the one who was getting married. Because like you said, I think in the context of who Buck is as a person, like you said, he's a self-described clinger. You know, um, he also described himself as settling. So yes, I think if he has a what seems to be a good thing put in front of him, if even if he can't see the wood for the trees and everyone can, I think he would very much get to the point of marrying someone because he feels almost like it's what's meant to happen next. It makes sense kind of thing. And I feel like I did toy around with the idea of Eddie being the one in that position for a little bit. But I think after I started watching season five especially the way they set the way they've set Eddie's character up I couldn't see that making sense plus I knew that I wanted that scene with Frank and Eddie at the start and I really like the relationship between Frank and Eddie so yeah I mean narratively when I even when I started making notes about what I thought I wanted the story to be it book almost just fell into that position naturally yeah, and it's interesting that you mention um, Frank there and the scene with Frank and Eddie, because if you don't mind, I'd like to just read a little uh, excerpt from the fic, if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. This is after Eddie's been in with Frank. So as you say, at the beginning of that story, 
then but uh, Eddie is in with Frank and they've he's been having a therapy session with Frank where he's kind of finally come to the realization that he is in love with Buck um and so this is kind of his thoughts just as he's exiting from therapy so you write that as much as that moment in Frank's office feels like somewhat of a triumph the instant he steps outside into the warm summer air the bubble bursts he definitely didn't go into therapy today with the expectation of any life-altering realizations except if he's completely honest with himself it's not that much of a surprise not really looking back at his and Buck's friendship They've always danced on the precarious line that lies between friends and not quite something more. It's been there since the beginning, he thinks. Intention-filled stares and bumping shoulders and gentle touches and in knowing one another sometimes better than they know themselves. It didn't feel like this with Anna. That was all plastic smiles and robotic movements and counterfeit words. He always felt like he was playing a part in a play he didn't remember signing up to and that's... He's never had to pretend with Buck. He doesn't even realise he's in the car until the door slams shut behind him, startling him out of his daze. He's shaking, he thinks, a kind of nervous energy fueled by adrenaline buzzing under his skin and making him feel electric. I need to tell someone, he thinks, but he doesn't want to tell Buck because, well, he thinks he needs to unpack things a bit more to himself before crossing that particular bridge. Plus, he remembers Buck mentioning something about taking a trip for their long weekend with Taylor so that's a definite no-go. Buck's his go-to when he's got some big life stuff he needs to unload, so he really doesn't know who to call, and then it pops into his head like a bolt of lightning. So as I say, that's the section where he's just come out of therapy, where he's had this realisation. So you have that lovely moment with Frank. Then you follow on from this to a lovely scene where you have Eddie talking to Hen, who it is, is that he phones, and also Karen. So I wanted to ask you about that. We see we see these different characters in this scene, and there's later on in the fic as well, uh, where Eddie talks to Maddie and things like that. So what section of the fic um, did you have the most fun writing in, and did you enjoy also getting to play with the different characters in this story? Yeah, so I would say the main bit I enjoyed writing the most was the scene between Eddie, Hen and Karen. Because I think it's just such a, well, for one, it's a dynamic we don't see. And for two, it's just such a heartfelt scene to me. And I think I think when I was sat writing the story, I'm very much a seat of me pants kind of writer. I don't often plan things out before I write them. So I was sat, I'd just written that bit that you said, like, you know, he's come out of therapy. He's sat in the car he's panicking a little bit because obviously he's just realized for one he's not straight and for two he's in love with his best friend so he's kind of panicking um and he's thinking who can I call who can I call who can I call and in my head I put myself in Eddie's shoes a little bit and I'd go who would I call who would get all of this better than anyone and the first person I thought of was Hen obviously because Mm -hmm. she's got experiences as someone on the LGBT spectrum. So I thought Eddie's seeing, you know, a lesbian couple who have been together for so many years, have managed to create this family without any effort, in a lot of ways could parallel his relationship with Buck. So I thought that him getting to sit down, talk to Karen and Hen. Karen and Hen are such fun characters to write to begin with. 
because they're just they are everything but I thought getting to hear about how they met because I wrote a little bit about how they met in my head yes getting to hear about how they met and you know throwing a little bit of humor in there as would be Hen's personality but also having this real heartfelt kind of discussion was so important to me so I really enjoyed getting to sit and write that between them because like I said it's not a dynamic we'll get to see very often Um, and overall I just had a great time writing the story it frustrated us a lot of times um, (laughs) and I ended up leaving it for like two weeks Um, I didn't write anything for two weeks came back sat down and I actually hated most of the story when I was rereading it Um, I was sat rereading it and um, like you said it was for a fic fest so Mm -hmm. I was very quickly approaching the deadline and I was sat here I was hating most of my story and I was sat going oh no oh no oh no so I actually ended up having a glass of wine and then coming back to it and sitting down in front of my laptop and I was like you know what if I was reading this and it was written by somebody else would I hate it and I was like probably not so yeah I had a great time writing the story overall even though like I said it did really really frustrate does frustrate me at times it was a very very it's my longest story I've ever written which I think says a lot about how much I actually enjoyed writing it and writing the characters in that story it's a shame that you that you had that moment where you really hated it but I completely empathize with you on that because I've written some fan fiction in the past, not for 911, and I know exactly what you mean when you can like really enjoy something when you're writing it, then you even just like reread it that very same day and you can be like, what is this? Why did I say that? What is this? But I also find that situation where like I've had that happen to me before where I've then come back to a story later on and I've been like, you know what? I actually do like this. Um, And then if I'm still drafting it and I come back to it like, a bit later on I'll I'll hate it all over again like it'll be a cycle of sometimes you think it's great other times you think it's the worst thing you've ever you've ever read like and it's a tricky uh, it's a hard thing being a, being a writer because you do just you're your own worst critic as we were saying with the gift making as well I think as you say like somebody else read it they'd be like what are you talking about this is great it's so fun it's so uh, so good like exploration of characters uh, and then you'd be like no but it's just terrible. I can't even string words together sort of thing. Yeah, you, you put words down on a page and you're like, well, the words, yeah. the words at the very least. But as you say, so as you're saying, you enjoyed uh, exploring this dynamic uh, of Eddie uh, talking to Hen and to Karen. Is that one of the things that you like most about fan fiction, the getting to explore the different dynamics that we might not see on the show, be that from a as a writer or as a reader? Is that one of the things that you like about fan fiction? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, there are so many characters in an ensemble show like 911. It would be impossible in every episode to have every character talking to each other unless they literally all stood in a circle and started talking to each other. So I really enjoy getting to not only dive into kind of canonical relationships and things that we get to see a lot of, but I also enjoy getting to explore the the maybe less well-known kind of dynamics or the dynamics that we don't get to see or the dynamics that are only background moments because up until that point, the only time I'd seen 
Eddie, Hen and Karen interact on the screen was at um, Buck's welcome back party in the first episode yes. of season three. Um, when they're talking about, I think they were talking about Karen getting IVF or something and Chad like a breakdown. Yes, that's right. But yeah, so you don't get to see them interact very often. And I really find joy as a writer, but especially as a reader, um, in getting to explore kind of new dynamics that we don't get to see every day. Yeah, it is one of the massive benefits of fan fiction is you just have so much more space to, as you say, explore those things and work with the different characters without having to get them in a circle and make them all talk to one another. Yeah, absolutely. That's lovely to hear that that is one of the things you like best and that you got to do that with this fic. Another thing I wanted to ask you about this fic, and I'll be interested to see with you saying that you took a break from the fic and came back to it, if that coincided with this at all. But in this fic, then you have Eddie actually tries to tell Buck how he feels before the wedding. So it doesn't get all the way to the wedding and then Eddie's confessing to an oblivious Buck. You have Eddie try to confess to Buck and Buck kind of like shut it down and like refuse to hear what Eddie has to say. I think he knows where it's going, even if he doesn't fully maybe believe the depth of it, but he shuts it down and I was wondering what made you decide to go down that route uh, to have Eddie try to tell Buck rather than have it completely be a new occurrence to Buck on the day of the wedding so that scene was actually the first scene I wrote for this fic ah okay it was the very very first thing that I thought of basically to cut a long story short when I signed up for this Fest, I had a completely different fic in mind that I'd already started writing but I literally I got to a point where I hated it I couldn't write it anymore and I just needed to like step away from it so this wasn't even going to be me fic for the fic fest at first um but Speak Now is one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs and I know that the whole thing with that is the kind of confession at the altar in church almost and I wanted to include that but I also thought that realistically I don't think Eddie would have wanted to let it get that far Uh, so Mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to have some kind of conversation between them before the wedding I didn't know in what capacity it would have been but Obviously, then when I started piecing other bits of the story together before I started writing it, I knew that logistically Buck and Eddie are best friends. So Buck would ask Eddie to be his best man. What does a best man do? He arranges everything to do with the wedding. So I knew that they would end up having like a stag do or a bachelor party if you're American. Yeah. So I knew that would end up happening. And I thought, where is going to be the logical place that I can get these two alone that isn't going to seem convoluted almost kind of thing and it just so happened to be one book stag do a week before he's due to get married or two weeks I can't remember what I said but yeah so I always knew that I wanted to have some kind of conversation because I knew Eddie would almost want to save book the quote-unquote embarrassment of the big confession in church if he could Mm -hmm. but then obviously things progress and things don't go quite the way Eddie wants 
them to. Um, and like you said, Buck shuts it down because he's either doesn't want to hear it or he's not ready. And then the big church scene ends up happening anyways. So I like that. I like that you did it because like you you rather than being sort of beholden to the strict structure of the lyrics, you've gone, well, what works best for these characters? And you've thought about what makes most sense for Eddie. And I think you're right. I think, you know, Eddie wouldn't want to make a big scene if it could be avoided. And I think that's quite clear as well from the fic that after he tries, he then kind of isn't going to do anything, but then he he has to. Like, you know, there's no way out and he's never going to forgive himself if he doesn't know for sure. So he's got to give it this one last shot. But I do like that at the end, you do link it back into the lyrics because uh, you have Buck essentially telling Eddie close to the very end that he is glad that Eddie came and interrupted. And obviously that's part of the lyrics at the very end of the song uh, as well. So I thought that was a lovely a lovely touch there that, that you went with that. I also like not to give away what happens at the end if anybody's not read this, but I also like what you had happen after they leave the church. Uh, after after Buck agrees to to go uh, to go with Eddie, I thought it was really cool how you handled it in this because when Eddie uh, realizes, obviously we say we start at the beginning, Eddie realizes that he's in love with Buck, and then he's planning on telling Buck, but at this point he doesn't know that Buck and Taylor have gotten engaged. So I really liked that scene at the firehouse when it gets unveiled that that's what's happened and sort of Eddie's dejection. Did you find that part like easy to write or was it tricky sort of putting Eddie through that sort of cruel, that moment where he realizes that he's just gotten up the courage that he's, he's going to tell Buck he is, but then it's like, oh, he's engaged to Taylor sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, no one likes putting the characters through the ringer, especially if they're, you know, close near and dear to the heart. But, I found it like, I don't know, I had me hot in my throat the entire time I was writing that scene. Like, I felt like I was in Eddie's shoes. Now, I was imagining myself like, oh, imagine I've got up the courage to make this big life-altering confession. One that's going to seemingly come out of nowhere and one that's potentially going to make or break one of the best relationships I've got in my life. And then... Like I said, the, that moment when he's climbing the stairs and I know what's coming and obviously he doesn't. And then obviously when he finds out and he's just so, like, he doesn't even have it in him to have, like, an outward reaction almost. He's just so kind of heartbroken, I guess, Um, that he's gone beyond the point of having an actual physical reaction. So, yeah, I, fa- I definitely found that scene difficult to write just from a kind of character perspective because I was like, I really don't want to have to do this, but I'm going to have to. You have to. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, sorry, Eddie, but you have to go through this so you can get your happiness in the end. Yeah, exactly. And as you say, this is um this is your longest fic that you've written so far. Did you enjoy the longer format than what you've done before? And do you think you'll do longer fix in the future, or will you be? Would you prefer to stick to the shorter uh, format that you've done before? Because a lot of your other fix are maybe sort of like two to three thousand words, and so this one is like effectively like four or five times as long as that. Mm. Um, I definitely enjoyed the longer kind of fic in terms of getting to be able to explore a lot more of what a character's thinking, or maybe what 
their interactions and I enjoyed because a lot of me other fix as well they might have like cutouts in them but they're all one scene primarily mm-hmm. like they all take place in one place and there's one event happening in them I enjoyed the longer fix getting to write a longer fic obviously took me considerably longer than me other fics yes. did which is a given if I had time I would love to write longer fics constantly like you have people even if they've got like all sorts going on in the lives you have people consistently churning out like 10 20k fics and I really wish I could be that person who like just does that but I can't so I would love to write longer fics. Like, I started a very, very long fic at the start of the year, um, which was an exploration of Eddie's journey with grief. Yes. And that was going to be huge. Like, I started a second chapter for that, um, which I think the fic overall was probably going to be about thirty to 40,000 words. But I've been so busy, obviously, with work and stuff that I just haven't had time to sit down and block out time to write stuff like that. So to cut a long story short, I would love to have time to write these longer fix constantly. But I think my specialty lies in the shorter, kind of more concise fix that are all focused in one scene. Because I think both formats have the positives and both formats have the drawbacks yes but i think my specialty probably lies in those shorter fix around kind of three thousand words ish yeah as you say it's like it's it's good to have the it's good to have if you can get the space to write a longer fic but i'm i'm similar to you i've never really written anything that's particularly long the longest thing i've ever written recently i wrote a thirty thousand word fic when i was young like back when I was like I don't know, even know like 14 years old or something like that but since then the longest thing I've ever written was about similar lengths to this I think about like 13,000 words or something like that and it is it's the, it's the for me I find it hard when you're like when you're changing scenes you then like have to figure out like when am I scene breaking and I have to describe a new place or I have to set up the scene in a new place um, and you do just have you you think like writing a long story would be the same as, you know, writing a few short stories stuck together. But I do think it takes longer in the planning and longer in like the blocking out and stuff. So as you say, it's tricky if you're if you're got short of time. But I also think there's a real art to writing short fic because you have to capture so much in just such a small amount of like one scene or a very small number of scenes. And so it is uh as you say, you can almost get a specialty in one of those areas if you if that's what you're doing more of because you're getting more practice, I suppose, in that format. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I've got friends who I've made on Tumblr who consistently churn out like 10, 20, 30k fix and I have nothing but awe for them because I'm like, yeah. wow. And they're all so cohesive and so good as well. I re- like I said, I really wish I could be that person, but I just can't. So I feel like I've very much developed my specialty, quote unquote, in the shorter, kind of more concise fix. And I've got most of them down to an art. If I sit and just write, 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 I think I can do one of them in about two hours, maybe. So Wow. 
That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I'm, I, it takes me ages, so I'm very impressed. I mean, it takes us a long time to get a start on them, but once I've got a start and I'm in the zone, then I'm quite a fast typer naturally. So, yeah. And are you much of a like? Are you kind of like you said you don't like to uh, sort of have an outline? You're more of a pantser than you're not really an outliner. Yeah. But when it comes to editing, are you like a multiple drafts type person? Or are you a sort of careful drafter and then you don't really need to do much more than proofread it? Or what's your kind of process with regards to that? Yeah, so I'm not very much... I don't do like multiple, multiple drafts. Um, Mm -hmm. I am very much, like you said, I do one draft that I continuously edit as I go through. Okay, yeah. So I'm just very much an editor kind of on the fly sort of person um sometimes i'll get two or three sentences past something and i'll think oh that word doesn't quite work or oh maybe i need to take that sentence out and put it somewhere else shorten it maybe so yeah i'm very much a draft as i go type of person and like i said it saves us time at the end because all I've really got to do when I get to the end is actually read over the piece of work, which, to be honest, I don't tend to do in massive depth anyways. I mainly just skim read it, look for anything obvious, and then, yeah, I just post it. Typically, I'm not a massive kind of multiple drafts kind of person. No, that's interesting. So, yeah, you're going to kind of edit as you go. And do you find, like, I guess you find that's the process that works best for you, because you quite often get that the type of writing advice that's like, don't edit as you go. But I sometimes find that for me, like, if you know something's not working, it's like, it's better to fix it right then, because you just, otherwise it's going to always be in the back of your mind. You're going to be thinking, oh, but I need to come back to that. Yeah, so I completely agree. Um, I tried to be the multiple drafts kind of person, so... Going back to when I first joined the 911 fandom, I hadn't written for any fandom spaces in, I want to say, about five years. So I was very out of practice with writing in terms of like a fiction context. So I spent ages looking at like writing blogs, looking for writing advice, and everything I was looking at was saying, leave all your edits to the end yes kind of just get it down on paper but I find when I do that it interrupts the flow of the story as well so if something's not quite working I can't force it into working like just as an example when I was writing like the fic we've been discussing I had a scene in there I'm trying to remember what scene it was. I think it was the conversation between Eddie and Frank right at the start. And I was trying to write that and I had a sentence in there, something like offhand in there. Like it wouldn't have meant anything. It wouldn't have had any significance to the story itself, but it was just stopping the story from going anywhere. And I was trying to say to myself, oh, I can just leave it till later. I'll go and write a different scene and I'll come back to it. But then in my head, because I knew that was there, I was struggling to get anything on the other scene. So, yeah, I think for me personally, I just think editing on the go is the best thing for us because it helps keep my mind focused on where the story's going. Yes, yeah. And you're, yeah, you know kind of what your track is. 
And I suppose that is the case as well, as if you're not the sort of person who likes to work with an outline, then you know you're not following something so you're, you've almost just got your own your, your own mental outline of where you're going and then as you say if you've got something that's causing a stumbling block you need to get that out the way yeah. so that you can keep carrying on it's really interesting I love hearing because I am kind of do a bit of writing um I always like to hear what other people's processes are and just see where like the similarities and the differences lie and stuff like that so thanks for for answering that for me the other, uh, there's a couple of other fics I wanted to speak to you about in particular, and I kind of, these are two of yours that I really enjoy, but also I feel like they're an interesting pair to talk about. So the first one is Stood on a Cliffside Screaming Give Me a Reason, and the second one is Should Have Said No. And you might know why I'm saying they're an interesting pair, but if not, and for the reader, I will, or for the listener, <laughs> sorry, I will uh, explain that in a second. But to begin with, to start with, to talk about Stood on a Cliffside Screaming Give Me a Reason. So this is a, a one shot at um, like about two and a half thousand words. And in this one, it says that your summary is that Buck realizes he maybe isn't quite as happy as he thought. Um, and so in this fic, then it's essentially a Buck and Taylor breakup fic. Mm. But you wrote this before that happened in the show. So this, this fic was published in uh, March. And so I was wondering what your take on what happened in the show was with the Buck and Taylor breakup because I swing back and forwards between um wishing that the breakup could have in some part have involved Eddie like if Taylor had invoked Eddie as like uh you don't spend any time with me because you're always with Eddie and Christopher or something like that and then other times I'm like no I'm happy that the breakup was completely independent of that and it like you know Buck chose to break up himself um, and I, so I, I, but I do swing backwards and forwards on it. And obviously in your fic that you've written here, Eddie is a component of the Buck Taylor breakup. So I was wondering how you feel about how it happened in, in the show. Yeah. So the breakup, I'm very much like you. I tend to swing backwards and forwards a little bit. When it initially happened, when the breakup initially happened, because of all the circumstances surrounding it, I was like, this makes perfect sense. I was like, I'm just so glad that Buck's chosen for himself, basically, and yes. someone hasn't done it for him. When I sat back with the episodes a little bit, I just did a um, 5B rewatch last week. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, so I just sat and rewatched 5B last week because it all got uploaded to Now TV. So I sat and rewatched it last week, and I it's a difficult one because like you like you said, obviously, I almost wish Eddie had have come up in some capacity because I think the subtext was there with the whole obviously Buck was taking Christopher to school and like he was there going to like ranches with Eddie and he was like you know, I think the subtext was there that they spent a lot of time together, which they should have done, obviously. Buck's Eddie's best friend. Eddie was going through a mental health crisis. Buck was trying to help out. So I almost wish he had have come up in some capacity. Or my other wish was that the will would come up in some capacity. I kind of wanted that to happen. But I am by no means unimpressed with the way it actually happened in the show. I think it really, really showed a good like almost ending to their arc because I think obviously Buck and Taylor got together at the end of season four when everything in Buck 
weeks, life went a bit haywire. Obviously, Maddie was struggling. Eddie had just got shot. He was taking care of Christopher. He was a bit all over the place, bless him. So they got together then. And then for him to have the arc of realising, I don't have to do this just because it feels like something I should be doing. And then to come to the realisation at the very end of, oh, you know, I'm allowed to choose for myself kind of thing. I can choose where this goes. So I am overall, I'm pretty happy with the way things ended between them. Um, but like you, like you said, I swing a little bit backwards and forwards between, oh, I kind of wish this had been in there. I kind of wish that had been in there. But I, th- I think it went as well as it could have gone in the kind of context of the show. Yeah. And we always have fan fiction to give us a version exactly. of where Eddie comes up. <laughs> because in the Orphic here, then essentially as the, I love the title that you picked. And I was going to ask you, like, did the title give you the the fic or did you have this fic in mind and then find this title? Um, because in this, then Buck does actually ask Eddie to to give him a reason to break up with Taylor Mm. or really to be his reason for breaking up with Taylor. Um, And so I was wondering, like, did you, yeah, did you get that from the title? Did you get that line? Did you get that story from the title or did you get the title after you'd come up with the story? Yeah, no. So the, the story very much came from the title in that kind of situation because I was listening to, like I said, a lot of Taylor Swift kind of over hiatus and stuff. And like I said, I was part of a fic fest at the time and they were posting prompt lists a lot and they posted one for hoax, well, for folklore, I think. So I went and listened to all of folklore and I was listening to hoax and that song gets me in my feelings anyways, but I was listening to it and that line stood out to us. And like I said earlier, the brain rot is real. My brain instantly <laughs> went, how can I make this about Buck and Eddie? And then I went... I know how, and I just started writing. Yeah. Well, it's lovely, and it works really, really well for that. And the thing about this fic, and this is kind of how I'm going to tie this into what I'm saying about the the other fic I wanted to speak to you about, is that I really like how you handle the Buck and Eddie sort of confession in this, because it takes place before Buck has broken up with Taylor, given that Buck is asking Eddie to give him a reason to break up with Taylor. Um, but in this fic, you have them very clearly nothing happens other than the confession before Buck breaks up with Taylor Mm -hmm. and that's very there's very strict lines there so was it important to you within the context of this fic that they did that Buck did actually then go and break up with Taylor before he and Eddie actually got together yeah so that was a big thing for me in that fic in particular I felt like when I was writing that one obviously situation in the other one happens a little bit differently but yes I feel like um in this fic just because of the way that I'd like structured it obviously there was like flashbacks to canonical moments within like season five and yes I felt like because of those moments in the fic and because of everything else that was surrounding it I felt like it was important that it was important that there was a line kind of that they weren't willing to cross until everything else had kind of come into place for them. So it was important to me in that fic that, yes, they had the conversation and it was very, very evident where things were going to go, but that nothing actually happened. 
And that's the thing. So the other fic that I was mentioning is should have said no, which is also uh, a one shot that's about that's three and a half thousand words. And this one is a different take on the events of 511. And essentially, I view it as being what would happen if Eddie had actually turned up at the bar instead of like turning up and then leaving. And so in this fic, if you don't mind, I'll read a short excerpt from this one. And then if if anybody's not read this, it'll probably become clear why I'm putting this in contrast (laughs) with the other one. So we've got, it starts with Buck saying, oh, come on, the power line situation proved the existence of curses. Eddie snorts, leaning over as he lines up his pool cue. Oh, please, that was a complete coincidence. You can't prove definitively that that was a curse. Ah, Buck exclaims, approaching the pool table as he wags a finger. You can't prove it doesn't either. Eddie turns on his heel then, leaning against the wall beside the pool table, as he crosses his arms and raises a brow, Buck's laughter dying in his throat. So, what? Curses exist on a technicality? Is that what we're going with now? Buck shrugs, suddenly at a loss for words. His tongue pokes out to wet his lips, and he swears he sees Eddie's eyes flash to track it, if only for a second. They make eye contact, and the air around them seems to thicken like smoke. There's always been tension between them an invisible pool, which has meant that ever since the day they met, Buck's always found himself in Eddie's orbit. But tonight, in this dingy badge and ladder joint, six beers and God knows how many tequila shots deep, Buck thinks the invisible band might actually snap. So, spoilers, but the invisible (laughs) band does actually snap (laughs) in this fic, which is very, very different from what happens in uh, Stood on a Cliffside Screaming Give Me a Reason. Um, and so I just really like that because you've got two similar kind of scenarios, um, but one where they don't cross that line and one where they do. Did you have, um, so as I say, the Student of Cliffside Screaming Give Me a Reason was published in March and so also was Should Have Said No. Should Have Said No came afterwards. Did you, when you were writing Should Have Said No, did you have in mind that you had written essentially the opposite happening in, in Stood on a Cliffside? And were you sort of purposely like, oh, I'd like to explore the alt- an alternative type of version? Or did you n- not make that connection until like kind of later on? Yeah, so I, um, before I start writing a fic, I always kind of flick back to see if it's too similar to kind of other fics that I've published already. So I'll go back and I'll have a look over it and obviously um stood on a cliffside was published before uh 5b started so I had written that in like I said one sitting in a day and then obviously 511 happened um the events between Buck and Lucy and 511 happened and I saw a lot of the kind of reaction to it and like the analytical side of me brain went oh that's interesting and then I remembered that I'd written like a fic about two weeks prior with obviously Buck and Eddie being like I refuse to cheat kind of thing so I thought it was yeah interesting that the show had gone down that route like I just found it interesting mainly Obviously, I know it's a very divisive topic. Like it's yes, um, it's very very divisive. But I thought, I wonder what would have happened if it had been Eddie staying in the bar that night. And I was like, well, there would have only been 
for me, one logical route things could have potentially gone down, especially when there's like alcohol involved and that sort of thing. Yes. Um, everyone's inhibitions are a little bit lowered. And I knew that I'd written a fic where they didn't go that far, like I said, two weeks prior. But I thought, what would happen if they did kind of thing? What would what would that look like in the context of the show? Yeah, so that's really interesting. And I, I say I just really enjoyed that because you had those two and they were, as you say, quite close together. And I think you do a good job like in this fic that, yes, they do go that far, but it's it's not like glorified in any way. It's obvious that like you know, Buck wouldn't wish it kind of, not that he wishes he hadn't, because obviously he wants to be with Eddie, but maybe that he wishes that it hadn't happened like that sort of thing, even though it did. And as you say, there is, it's a bar, there is alcohol involved. It's extenuating circumstances almost in this case. Um, but I like that you, yeah, you you kind of have it framed in a case that Buck's not thrilled with what's gone down because of the nature and of what's happened. Yeah. And I mean, that was important for me to show because obviously in the show, it's the same kind of situation as well. Like, yes, we see Buck obviously kissing Lucy, but then when the realisation hits the next morning or even in the Uber on the way home, on some level, he knows that he's done something wrong. And that was an important thing for me to show because I didn't want it to come across like I was glorifying what would happen kind of thing I think that's the thing with topics like when you're tackling topics like cheating or potential cheating there's a lot of nuance that goes into it and I was honestly very nervous about publishing that fic at first because I was thinking is this I was almost thinking is is this going to be the thing that gets us run off the internet kind of thing (laughs) yes I was like this has the potential to get me run off the internet but luckily people seemed to get where I was coming from and they seemed to understand that I wasn't as a matter of fact glorifying what went on but I was just trying to explore it from a different angle. And I'm glad you did post it because that's one of my favourite ones of yours I really really oh. love that fic um, for the like the tension between them and for the careful way in which you handled it and as I say for the contrast with your other fic and I feel like if anybody ever does complain, just go have, if anybody ever reads Should Have Said No and feels upset by it, go and read Stood on a Cliffside Scream and Give Me a Reason because you've got both takes on it almost like right there. Yeah, I even put in the tags of Should Have Said No because I read it earlier. I put in the tags of Should Have Said No. If you don't like 5.11, this isn't the fic for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I even put in, I was like, like, I'm giving people warning. I was like, if you don't like it, just don't, don't look. Like, yeah (laughs) which is all you can do this thing is tag appropriately and yeah if you don't like it don't read it sort of thing hit the back button Um, so but I I think yeah I like uh, that you got to explore both of those different sort of scenarios with those two those two fics so um my other questions for you on fic writing are like more general so they're not specifically targeted at uh the ones we've just spoken about but um, I wanted to ask in terms of sort of like the point of view that you're writing from, uh, obviously, so that, that the should have said no that we've just spoken about, for example, is a book point of view. Uh, we had Eddie's point of view in um, your uh, horrified looks. So which point of view is your preference to write from? Do you do you have a preference of book versus Eddie, both for writing, but then also, I guess, for reading as well? 
Yeah, so I would say writing-wise, I enjoy writing from Eddie's point of view the most, just because I think Eddie, in a lot of ways, even after he's been thoroughly therapised in 5B, I think he's such a mysterious, almost closed-off character that we don't get to... You don't know what Eddie's thinking a lot of the time. Like, I think yeah. he's very much one of those people that you won't know what he's thinking unless he says it. So I enjoy writing from Eddie's point of view on the basis that I get to get into his head a little bit and imagine what it's like to be Eddie Diaz for a day and, you know, walk around in his shoes. Um, Reading-wise, I don't typically have a preference because I think anyone who can write from any point of view like deserves all the kudos they can get like I I think it's a a talent to be able to flick between points of view even within the same story sometimes and it just yeah I've I've got massive appreciation for all of the kind of fanfic writers within the community (laughs) because it's not an easy job I know from experience so yeah absolutely and are there any other points of view, either either from an outsider point of view perspective within a buddy fic, or another out, another point of view within a fic that you might want to write if you were to write about for a different relationship or even just a sort of gen fic? Is there any other points of view that you'd be that you'd like to be ex- exploring? I've been thinking for a while about writing um, a fic about Lucy coming into the 118 because I think Lucy brings such a different energy into the firehouse. Obviously, it's she was created to be very reminiscent of early book, but I think she's got a slightly different dynamic to her and I find myself really drawn to her. Um, I do really enjoy Fix from Ravi's point of view as well. Yes. I absolutely adore Fix from Ravi's Ravi's point of view because I just find he's one of my favourite characters on the show. He's just he's just great and I love him. Um so I've been thinking about writing a fic from his point of view as well. Um but I feel like one of one of my very good friends has written one of the fandom staples on Ravi. I call it the Ravi Bible. And yeah, I find that fic like no one's ever gonna top that fic for Ravi in my eyes. Is this the, the, the actual the the Ravi fic? Yeah, the the Ravi fic by uh Queer Panicar on Tumblr. Um yeah. Absolutely nobody no I don't care what anyone says, nobody's ever gonna top that fic for Ravi POV, <laughs> in my opinion. But I find him a really interesting character to write. So I've been thinking about while summer hiatus is on, while I've got a bit more time on my hands, just maybe pushing myself a little bit and writing a fic that I haven't, from a perspective that I haven't really explored before. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, like you said, writing a just a generalised firehouse fic without any parents specifically attached to it. Or even I was... Um, I was in the middle of drafting a Buckley siblings story a couple of days ago. So I was thinking about maybe potentially publishing that because it's stepping a little bit outside of my comfort zone a little bit, which I don't think's a bad thing, but it's definitely a new challenge to take on. For sure. And I think like as you were saying about people who do write from a lots of different points of view, it is a it is a huge 
talent and skill to be able to write different points of view and make them sound distinctly different from one another and be in character as well. So it is a challenging thing to do. So yeah, if it's something you want to do to push yourself outside your comfort zone, then that's definitely definitely an option to to do that would be for different points of view. And you kind of touched on this a little bit in that when you were saying that you've been working on like the Buckley sibling uh, fic. But what um, what other fic are you working on right now, or are you thinking about working on? Is there anything that you're excited um, about potentially covering um, in the future, other than what you've just mentioned just now? Yeah. So um, me and one of my very good friends, Bea on Tumblr, we have started a buddy AU fic fest. Yes. I've seen that, so I'll link to that as well. So we've started that up mainly because we just wanted more variety in the fix that we were both writing and reading. So we are doing that, and I came up, before we even conceived the idea for that, I'd came up with an idea. I want to explore kind of an apocalyptic kind of story. So it's... um. Obviously, without getting too much into the nitty gritty details, it is Buck and Eddie and they know that the end is coming. They just don't know when. So they compile a little bucket list of sorts and try to live a whole life in a couple of weeks. But it's a bit of a different story because it it doesn't end with explicit like major character death, Mm -hmm. but... Obviously, it's very heavily implied what's happening kind of thing. So I know that that type of fic isn't going to be for everybody, but, you know. And then other than that, um, like I said, I've got that Buckley sibling story that I'm looking at. Um, It's a bit of kind of hurt, comfort, angst, wump, I want to say. So that's going to be interesting. Um, And then... Yeah, I, I started a Doctor Who story months ago, like um a Doctor Who AU for Buddy, mm, of course. Interesting. Um, but it was like it was like Doctor Who meshed with a coffee shop AU. Oh wow, okay. Very interesting. <laughs> quite yeah, quite the amalgamation of tropes there. Eddie's like a coffee shop owner and Buck is the doctor. Cause I was imagining him kind of like Matt Smith's doctor. Um very like boyish and childish and like yeah. So yeah, I've got a few different kind of ideas on the go at the minute. Um, I think one that's probably going to come out first is probably going to be that Buckley siblings one. The other two are taken obviously a bit more <laughs> logistical more involved. planning and stuff. So of course, yeah. No, that's fab. And I'll yeah, definitely. As I say, I'll I'll link to the uh your AU fic fest down below, and I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see that, the Doctor Who <laughs> coffee shop one when it comes out as well, for sure. So thanks so much for for answering the questions on um your fic there. I wanted to ask, broadening out more generally in terms into your experiences in fandom as a whole, obviously you've said that you have like returned to Tumblr when you were on it before, but I wanted to ask specifically with uh, regards to, uh, I guess, fan fiction and writing or b- reading fan fiction really to begin with. Um, I was wondering, what's your earliest sort of memory of getting involved in reading fan fiction? If you wouldn't mind, if you're all right with telling us. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. Um, so I was uh, 12 
and I um, was into One Direction at the time. And I had sneakily got myself a little Facebook account, not to do anything kind of untoward, just literally to play those like daft quizzes that would come up on your feed and stuff. So I did a little quiz um, and it linked us to this website and it was originally just for quizzes, but then it kind of branched out in about 2012 into like fan fiction and stuff. And I started off as a lot of preteens my age did reading One Direction fan fiction. I was exposed to probably a lot more explicit content at a young age than I should have been. But as is the internet, you know, there's no kind of boundaries on it. So I started off with One Direction, but I've been through a lot of the kind of, I would say, major fandoms mm-hmm. um, over the course of my experience on the internet. But yeah, so I was 12, the first memory I ever have of reading fan fiction. Oh. Well, that's great. It's lovely. I like to, to to see where everybody where everybody came from, and as you say, like quite often you're you're hopping around into to different fandoms, and like you know, it's it's interesting to see where everybody's been for their fandoms. Is there any other fandoms, or not even necessarily fandoms, but is there any other media in particular that you're really into at the moment? Like, is there anything you're using to fill hiatus time as well? Um, I don't know. I've to be honest, I've been watching 911 on loop for the past few weeks um so i've been doing that i've started re-watching brooklyn 99 um on netflix as well i was mega into that when i was younger and obviously um that's ended now so there's seven of the eight series on netflix so i've been watching that i've been finishing off well i've been trying to catch up with Grey's anatomy but i'm finding that a bit hard to stick with at the minute I think the show's gone beyond what it should have done, in all honesty, but that's a story for another day. I have uh, got very into the one Chicago franchise, so stuff like Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, Chicago Med. Not so much Chicago Med, um, but Chicago Fire and Chicago PD I've been catching up on the past couple of weeks. But yeah, other than that, like I said, it's just been re-watching WeWoo on... <laughs> repeat on repeat i like that i like that you're doing a rewatch of um of the season was it just season 5b you were saying there's the second part of season 5 that you were rewatching yeah so i finished 5b last week um i did like a full or as full as i could get season 5 rewatch a few weeks before that because obviously in the uk we tend to air episodes about a month or so behind so before that i think they only had up to about five twelve, so I did a rewatch up to that point, and then I waited for everything else to go on, and I rewatched all of five B because I wanted to have all of five B in my head in context before we started getting bits of information for season six. Yeah, because I knew that obviously some of the storylines from season five were likely to trickle over into season six. So I just wanted to make sure I had everything clear in my head. But I've been planning the past couple of days and I've been saying I'm going to do it and I haven't gone back to season one and just hammering through it. But like I said earlier in the episode, I find early season one in particular quite difficult to sit through. But I think maybe after I've 
recorded this podcast, I might just almost like ripping the plot off. I might just watch the first couple episodes. <laughs> just do it, yeah. Just see how I go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in that case, I won't ask you what your favourite episode of the whole show is, but since you've just recently done a season five rewatch, I'll ask you favourite episode from season five and favourite scene from season five, in case they are this scene is different from if it's from a different episode than your favourite episode. But favourite episode as a whole and favourite scene from season five. I had a feeling this question was going to come up <laughs> and I've been thinking and turning it over in my head. Um, so I'm going to cheat a little bit and I'm going to pick two episodes from season five and one That's scene. That's fine. That's all right. Just because I can't I can't separate them. Um, so my favourite episodes, plural, from season five are um, Boston. So 512. Um, I feel like that's now gonna go down in fandom history almost because I think the way they handled everything was just like I don't think it could have been done better in my opinion um and then other favorite episode is Hero Complex so 517 because we'll get to see Hen and Chim playing detective we'll begin to see cracks well massive fissures forming between Buck and Taylor Obviously, that last bit um, where she's doing the news report and then he calls her. We've never seen Buck angry like that. Other than when he was speaking to his parents in season four. Like, it was just something else. I really enjoyed that episode because of how they started to wrap things up. Obviously, nothing was fully resolved, but they started to piece things together in a way that I felt like I knew what I was going into come 5.18 kind of thing. Favourite scene, maybe, of the entire show, has to be 5.16. Obviously, the roofs came down on Bobby and May, and then Lucy calls out a maiden, and I just remember. And then you obviously start hearing the opening notes of Carrie. Oh, yes. And... I remember sat watching that episode, obviously, as all the European people all know, middle of the night, you're trying to stay as quiet as possible because it's like one, two o'clock in the morning. And I just remember being sat, my jaw was hanging open and I got like a full body chill because I think the way that scene and that song in particular was used was just so kind of masterful and it just fit perfectly And I just think the way the entire team came together, like, obviously, you've got the scene of Buck and Eddie running back inside. You've got the scene of Hen in triage when she's listening to the call over the radio. You've got um, Albert and Chimney come running down from the roof. And then you've got them all working together and they all managed to drag them out. And then obviously tied on to that, you've got the God has spoken line, which I think is one of my favourite lines in the show. So, yeah, I mean, nothing's going to top that scene for me at this particular moment in time. Um, But obviously we'll see what season six brings. Yes. And on that, (laughs) I was going to ask you what you are looking forward to what your what's what are your hopes for season six? Um, either specific disasters, specific um interactions that we might get, just anything. What are you hoping we might get out of season six? Ooh, okay, so I really hope in season six, first and foremost, that um Maddie and Chimney get back together 
quite early on in season six. I'm thinking about 6.10, so about winter finale time would be nice. Obviously, disaster-wise, we know what the first disaster is going to be because they've told her um, about the cruise ship. So I am hoping that there is a lot of kind of interconnected parents and a lot of parents that we might not expect working together. I'd actually really like to see Ravi and Eddie work together yes. because I don't think we've seen that yet. And I think they would work very, very well together. And I think the dynamic between them would be quite interesting. So I'd like to see that. Storyline-wise, I have a feeling we're not quite done with Bobby's mental health storyline. I think they left it a bit open-ended. And I think something is maybe going to happen on the cruise ship to send him into a bit of a tailspin or to make people realise that he needs a bit of help potentially mm-hmm. but carrying off the back of that I've also firmly been in the books do a breakdown yes. kind of boat <laughs> um so I've been in that boat for quite a while and I, t- I took the events of 5b especially early 5b as a sign that we're heading towards that because he was displaying a lot more of his kind of early behavior in the flirting with people in bars like when he was flirting with Lucy in the bar I almost had to look away because it was just it just made us cringe a Mm -hmm. little bit because I knew that wasn't book and then obviously in the acknowledging that he was clinging to Taylor but then continuing to do it for a while longer anyways a lot of these kind of behaviors have screamed kind of something's gonna happen to me so I think in my opinion, I have a feeling that they're maybe going to parallel Buck and Bobby in season six in some fashion. I don't know how. But yeah, so main things are, like I said, I want Mad Me back together ASAP. They need to get back together. If I can get a Mad Me proposal in 618, that would be delightful. Yeah, that would be great, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that would be delightful. I don't know if they'll do it that quick, but if I could get it, I'd appreciate it. Or even a second Mad Me baby. I'd take another baby. (laughs) Yeah, I'd take something. Just I need them back together kind of last week. Um, I need a lot more of the unexplored dynamics in the show. I'd like to see Lucy stick around for a bit longer because, like I said, I think she does bring an energy to the firehouse and especially with Eddie back in there, the whole dynamic between Buck, Eddie and Lucy, I think would be very, very interesting to kind of explore and I'd be intrigued to see how people react to that, especially after everything that happened in 5B. I think they would work well together. Like I said, I want to explore parents like Ravi and Eddie. And I want the cruise ship. I think the cruise ship disaster is going to set up a lot of the storylines for season six going forward. Um, Because they did make such a big deal out of it. Obviously talking about the finale and then the cruise ship. And even looking back at some of the older seasons, stuff like... um. Like the tsunami set up a lot of what happened in kind of season three. You know, um, the earthquake set up the little family unit of Buck, Eddie and Christopher. Yeah. Like, so I'll be intrigued to see what comes out of the, the cruise ship disaster. 
Yeah, it's very exciting times because we have, like when we're recording this at the moment, we have so little information. So it'll be interesting to see if by the time we get this out, we know more (laughs) about what's going to be happening in the first couple of episodes by then. But no, that's great. Thank you very much for sharing that, what you're looking forward to in season six. The last thing I wanted to ask you today was if you, we've kind of, we've touched on this a little bit as we went because you've mentioned a few writers and gift makers and things, but I wanted to know if there's any specific fan works that you would recommend that anybody listening goes and checks out if they haven't already seen them. Yeah, so first one would definitely be, I I don't know the name of it because I just call it the Ravi Fick in my head. I know the one you mean. Yeah, I'd, I'd just call it the Ravi Fick in my head um, because it is such a good exploration of Ravi's character because obviously in the show he's a bit of a kind of, he's not a main character yeah. so we don't know a massive deal about him Um, but the author, who is a very good friend of mine coincidentally they do such a good job of exploring Ravi's background, expanding Ravi's social circle. Um, they give Ravi a boyfriend, which I am over the moon about. Yeah, the boyfriend. The boyfriend, Sebastian. Yes. The Sebastian is canon universe. Um, I think they do such a good job of just developing Ravi and giving him such a like good, well-rounded character, but one that doesn't take away from what we know about him in canon which I think is important, especially when you're looking at side characters as Mm -hmm. well, because there's so little that's actually known about them. So I would definitely recommend that. Um, Another one would be a ballet AU that one of my other good friends has written and has just finished recently. That is called, I believe, Dance for All That We've Been Through. I hope I've got that title right. Um, And it's by my very good friend, Grace. And that is, without, again, giving too much away, it is set in a ballet school in LA. And um, Eddie is an instructor and Buck is a ballet dancer. Now, I went into that fic knowing nothing about ballet. So I was nervous about reading it. But the author, again, does such a good job of making things understandable like including technical words including like enough so that you get immersed in the kind of atmosphere and you know what you're going into but at the same time like it's got slow burn element to it it's got like conflicting factors in it it's got angst in there it's got a good amalgamation of all sorts in there so I would definitely recommend that um, in terms of gifts, if you're ever looking for any good gifts, I would recommend my friend Chelsea. She goes by Gay Ravi on Tumblr at the moment because the gifts that they put out are always such high quality. Um, they, especially the ones that go up like five seconds after the <laughs> yes. episode airs. Like, I, I don't know quite how she does it, but she does it. They are just unbelievable. Um, and they've also put up a couple of posts about their colouring methods and stuff. So potentially, if there are any people listening who do want to know where to get a good start in terms of gift making, in terms of just some general colouring advice, uh, Chelsea's blog might be a good place to go. 
because I know they have made a couple of posts about it. One other person I would want to recommend as well would be my friend Maria. Now, Maria goes by that buddy on Tumblr. She was the one that came up with the buddies version fic fest. So she is the reason behind my kind of magnum opus as it was, but she also makes some amazing gifts and she is a fic writer as well. And she definitely she has such a way with words. Um she's published like fics based on book series, so stuff like The Raven Cycle. Yes, I've read that fic. Oh yes, I'll recommend that one. I love that one. Yeah, so she's she was the one that persuaded us to read The Raven Cycle, um, because she was like she was writing this fic and I was like, Well, I don't want to read it if I'm gonna have no clue what's going on, kind of thing. So ended up buying four books. Um <laughs> And then, yeah, so she writes really, really amazing fics. And honestly, she's started making gifts more recently as well. And some of the gifts she's put out are just incredible. Like she put out a new set, I think it was yesterday. Um, and it was about all the t- different ways that Buck and Eddie stare at each other. <laughs> I know that one as well. Actually, I saw that one as well. That's that's sitting in my queue at the moment, I think. so. <laughs> yeah, I was literally like, this is genius like this is absolutely incredible but honestly there are so many amazing kind of content creators on tumblr i could sit here for hours and hours and hours on end and recommend a million different people but if you're looking for content they're good places to get started most of them do both most of them both write and make gifts so if you're all looking for content then they're probably the best places to go yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you very much for that. That's perfect. As I say, I'll put all the links to these down in the show notes to the uh, users and also to the specific works that we've just mentioned there. So I just want to say thank you so much for all your time today. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to mention or add before i let you have back the rest of your day? <laughs> I, I don't think so. I just wanted to say thank you for having me. And this was a really, really fun experience. And I would say if anyone's a little bit hesitant about maybe do I want to come on or not? It's honestly, it's it's just like I've been sat having a cup of coffee with a friend. So it's it's not as intimidating as you make it out to be. I was nervous before I started doing this, but you quickly get into the swing of it. So yeah, thank you for having us. Oh, that's great. And that's lovely to hear. And honestly, I, I'm i just as nervous as you guys, like, because this is new, all new to me as well. So it's just a learning experience. But I'm glad to know that it, it feels just kind of like a chat, because that's what I was hoping that we could get out of this. So that's fantastic. So thank you so much for your time today. Oh, not a problem. Thank you for having us once again. And that concludes the third episode of Dispatch. If you enjoyed this episode, Please go and show some love to Rebecca. I'm so glad that she came on. It was amazing to talk to her and to hear all about her gift making process and her fix. And I loved having a chat about her hopes for season six and her thoughts on the show in general. Please also go and check out the folks that Rebecca has recommended. Again, the links to them and their works are in the show notes. If you've got any feedback for me, You can get in touch. I've put the contact information in the show notes, but you can contact Dispatch through the Dispatch podcast Tumblr account 
or you can send an email to dispatch a 911 podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. If you would be interested in coming on an episode of Dispatch, also please get in touch at the same contact information. So that just leaves me to say thank you very, very much for listening, and I'll see you in episode four. <laughs>